the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Heading into a President's Day weekend. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know. It's not one of the holiday weekends that I look forward to. It's I don't have any strong uh, feelings about it. Uh, in the last few years, I have um, enjoyed getting to know John Cribb, the author whose book we uh, talked, whose books we talked about uh, yesterday. Uh, he wrote the book uh, "Old Abe" as well as "The Rail Splitter." As kind of fun, I, I have a, a a grown, a growing and grown affection for George Washington, based on uh, my old boss Phyllis Schlafly's writings on him. Uh, but in general, it's not a holiday. You know, when I was a kid in school. Um, you had, I think we had Washington's birthday off and, uh, and now it's President's Day and who knows? I mean, I, it just doesn't feel like a great holiday. And, uh, but my, my own children are off from school and some of you have kids home. So on, on, uh, next week on Monday. So anyway, I hope it's a nice weekend for people. And, uh, but before we get there, we got some things to talk about in a few moments. We'll talk with a young journalist, uh, and, uh, her name is Vita. Duffy Alfonso. Um, and if you recognize the Duffy in there, that's her um, that's her um, maiden name. And her father was a congressman. Her mother is a, uh, a television journalist on Fox uh, News. And she's a young reporter at The Federalist, uh, federalist.com. But here's the thing. She wrote, uh, we're going to talk to her, but she wrote a story. And that's what I want to comment on. I want to comment on how broken uh, our fake news is and how bad the narrative machine is. And you've heard me talk about it. The narrative machine is big government working with big tech and big media to try to tell us, well, to tell us what is true. And it works for most Americans. Most Americans thought that there was a Russia, Russia, Russia collusion. And they never really unrang that bell. Most people thought that the Hunter Biden laptop was a dirty tricks, a dirty trick of the campaign season. They never really found out it was totally true. And there's real evidence that uh, at least Hunter Biden is is compromised as to his relationships to uh, Ukrainian businesses as well as Chinese businesses. But anyway, the, the narrative machine is so effective and it's so powerful. But it's not just, let me be clear, it's not just big government generating a story and big media and big tech going along. Sometimes that's true. It feels like a lot of times that's true, right? So in this case, in the case of, say, the Russia hoax, we had the steel dossier made up and it was and it was um, the FBI that seemed to lead on that. Although, to be honest, it was the, a political uh, part of big government that was involved. It was Hillary and and it was um, Obama's people. So but in general, it felt like big government was driving that agenda. January 6th. It felt like big government, the uh, Pelosi Unselect Committee, was trying to drive a message, and then big media and big tech went along. In, in those cases, you can sort of sort of feel how it's. It feels like big government, the intelligence community, led on beating back the Hunter Biden laptop. That was uh, Clapper and Brennan who signed this letter that said that the 
Hunter Biden laptop had all the markings of Russian disinformation. By the way, now Clapper and Brennan are defending themselves, saying we never said it was Russian disinformation. We said it had all the markings. Look at us. If you look at the fine print, we're not wrong. We we just were making a point. Of course, they knew that the narrative machine the narrative machine knew the operators of the narrative machine knew if big government in the form of Clapper and Brennan said it has the markings of Russian disinformation, they could count on either with a wink or a nod or incompetence and probably a little of both that big media and big tech would say it was the Russians. And after five years of saying the Russians were behind every uh, a garbage can in Washington, D.C. or the U.S. Capitol, it was easy to do. Here's the story. That we're going to hear more about from Avita Duffy uh, Alfonso, excuse me. And this story is this a couple of left leaning, left wing journalist organizations wrote about the fact that there were white supremacists and people who were on the fringes of political positions, nothing illegal, mind you. No one. I don't think any of the articles that I think it was Salon and and another uh, uh, entity, another uh, online left wing journalism outfit said didn't say uh, illegal stuff. Just said, oh, yeah, fringy characters, white supremacists, maybe maybe some really fringy characters in the traditional Catholic movement. The people that go to Latin mass. Now, be clear, the people that go to Latin mass and traditional Catholics. They are, by and large, conservatives. They're not always Republicans because the Republican Party's been so milquetoast at times. But they are really, they're pro-life, they're for uh, traditional definitions of marriage, they're not for activist judges, they would be offended by the, the reach of the uh, federal education uh, department and systems, all that. So these would be foreigners to the far side of the political aisle from the, the left-leaning journalists. But here's where it gets sick. It really gets twisted. The left-leaning journalists make an argument, tendentious or not, silly or not, true or false. And in the case that we're talking about, the Richmond field office of the FBI, that's right, the Richmond, Virginia field office of the FBI opened up an investigation into whether traditional Catholics are somehow compromised and somehow uh, white supremacists. That's what's been leaked and discovered. The FBI fully politicized. I mean, fully. And here's what you need to know. Besides the fact that this is insanely offensive, besides the fact that this is an insane example of how the left uh, in the media and other places drives big government to decisions, there is a part of me that says this effort to highlight white supremacy in Richmond is intentional because why? Because it's mere miles, about 15, 15 miles from one of the great hoaxes in American life. One of the greatest hoaxes in the last 50 years. And that is the fine people hoax in Charlottesville. It is such a hoax. And such a lie that Joe Biden based his presidential campaign on the lie. He said, when I heard President Trump call these people fine people, I had to step in. I had to act to do something that couldn't be a bigger lie. If you watch the video of Trump 
He says, I condemn the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists. He's referring to fine people for people that think that the history of some of these monuments shouldn't be jettisoned as quickly as, uh, as well as <laughs> Nikki Haley took down the uh, Confederate flag. We'll go to another time for that. But my point is this. I don't think, I do not think that the, uh, I do not think that it's a coincidence at all that the, um, that the Richmond, Virginia FBI office is the one who takes up this investigation. I believe, again, it's targeted, it's targeting to try to further and to drive the agenda of this left-wing set of lies and liars. And when you have the narrative machine on your side so significantly, you don't have to worry about whether it succeeds or not. You just have to do it a lot. You just have to lie a lot. You just have to hoax a lot. And when you do, you know you'll get a certain amount of, of, of traction out of it. And so when you listen in the next couple of minutes, we're going to talk to this young uh, journalist. And she, I think she's really upset, among other things. In her coverage, she talks about how the, the people that should be pushing back on this, the Catholic bishops and others, are silent. And that's, that's problematic in and of itself. But the part I want to, I'm interested in is, is asking more about uh, what do we know about why it's, it's Richmond, Virginia. I, I know that when you, um, in the article it refers to, when you look at, do an analysis of where traditional Catholics as a self-described group of, uh, of, of people, where they live, there are quite a few churches described as traditional Catholic around, around Richmond. But I, there's lots of other places in St. Louis where I'm from. There were lots and lots of people described themselves as traditional Catholics. So I, I wonder, I really do wonder about the deviousness, the twistedness of what is happening in this country. And again, how the narrative machine is so complete and so sophisticated and so targeted to keep tearing us apart. When someone says, why are people being torn apart? When someone says, you know, there's, there was an article in Politico about, and it's about the White House, uh, the White House historical Association, a historical society started by Jackie Onassis, Jackie Kennedy, and it's been around for decades, therefore. And the article goes on as, you know, it's a President's Day weekend article. It goes on to say how just in the last few years, it's really strange. People come in and they say, well, I don't want to buy a Christmas ornament from uh, this this White House uh, historical society now because so-and-so's in the White House. Trump is in the White House or Biden's in the White House. And this division, this is what the historical society person says, is so terrible. The division is predictable. The division is completely obvious. When you have an FBI that is kowtowing to the left-leaning journalists in order to open an investigation against Catholics, when you have the Steele dossier driving five years of a soft coup against President Trump, when you have the, the, the Joe Biden campaign should have had to address the real conflicts between their, the, the Joe Biden family and the Chinese and Ukrainians. And instead, it gets buried by big tech and big media and the big government. When you have January 6th occur and instead of a reasonable conversation about vandalism and trespass, you have the major social media outlets taking the president of the United States off, the, off their, their services. You know something's going wrong and something's dividing us. It's just it's not being divided by the election of Donald Trump. It's not being divided by uh, conservatives who care about the Latin mass. It's being we're being divided by 
a narrative machine that is using the most powerful tools we've ever had. The most powerful government ever. That's the federal government in the swamp in Washington. The most powerful media uh, apparatus uh, in, in the, the control of the cable news and all. And the most extraordinary brain-altering, mind-altering social media. There's never been anything like this. And it's by intention, they're tearing us in part. They, they are intending the destruction. There's no other way to view that. There's no other serious way to view that. All right. That's what you need to know. I'm sorry. I got a little bit of a rant. I'll, I'll try to post the article uh, from Politico as well as uh, make sure when we listen to that interview in a few moments, uh, I'm, I'll make sure to ask Evita, uh, uh, excuse me, Evita Duffy um, Alfonso about that and a whole lot more. All right. Um, by the way, today is my son's uh, birthday. My son turns 14, my second son. So a uh, great uh, day to celebrate birthdays. I love February. I've got my, one of my daughters has a birthday in February. My, uh, my, one of my sons has a, a birthday in February. My mother-in-law, February, lots of February fun. So it's a great month for us. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll also get an update from Hugh Brown on presidents, especially Reagan, and pro-life. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, this story slipped by. We mentioned it earlier in the week. I saw a Newsweek piece um, about almost a week ago now. FBI under pressure for targeting Catholics in a leaked document. There was a document leaked uh, that uh, said that uh, traditional Catholics are um, uh, somehow... Uh, a threat. And then this is, uh, they're on a watch list. And so Avita Duffy Alfonso is a staff writer over at The Federalist, thefederalist.com. We get a lot of great stuff, great writers over there. She's also the co-founder of the Chicago uh, Thinker. Um, I have to say, Avita, in your bio, she loves the Midwest and lumberjack sports. I think I know where that comes from, but at v- at Avita Duffy underscore one on Twitter. Uh, welcome, Avita, to the program. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome. First, I suspect but don't know, are you yourself a Catholic? When you took up this story, were you thinking to yourself either, I know people that are described in this, did it have a, a resonance for you personally? Yeah, I come from a big, giant Catholic <laughs> family, nine nine kids. So mom's Mexican, dad's Irish. So it's it's pretty close to my heart, this, this story. All right. So with this leaked FBI report, um, the Richmond, uh, Virginia field office, uh, is there anything to that? I mean, is there, well, I, I mean, to be very candid with you, I, I myself am Catholic. I worked for the archdiocese in St. Louis and even in the Vatican briefly. Um, Richmond doesn't strike me as the place where you'd, uh, go to, uh, for the FBI looking, I guess, unless you're trying to echo the, the fine people hoax out of Charlottesville. Is that, do we have any sense that that's what's going on here? Yeah, I don't I don't think it has anything to do with with, with Charlottesville. I, I think that I mean, if you if you can look at it on, on latinmassfinder.com like you and uh-huh. you'll see there's a lot of churches in that area. But to be honest, there's a lot of Latin mass churches all over the United States where I come from in Wausau, Wisconsin There's a huge hub. Um, and so for whatever reason, the the FBI field office in, in uh, Richmond said this is a problem, but it's actually not just Richmond. It's It's been a growing sort of um theme in left-wing media to associate 
Catholics, traditional Catholics, particularly ones that enjoy Latin mass and are devout with violent white supremacist extremism. And there's been a lot of articles in the Atlantic and the Salon, um, in Salon and in others sort of making this association. And actually those were the sources, these very partisan left-wing media organizations, those are the sources in this FBI document to somehow prove that traditional Catholics are racist and violent. Uh, we're talking with uh, Avita Duffy Alfonso, and uh, she's a, a staff writer over at The Federalist, uh, thefederalist.com. So uh, to be clear, the report, the FBI report um, shows, it was leaked, shows that, that the Richmond FBI infiltrated Catholic communities. And, and at least the language that uh, is reported is they were investigating white supremacy. But in the, when you look at what the, who they were targeting, as you point out, it's it's what would be called traditional Catholics. It's kind of a term of art who who like um, the Latin Mass or and are more conservative on certain sets of issues. Is what is the FBI doing now? Are they have they? I, I know there's a reference to the fact that they backpedaled. Have they have they uh, denounced this? Have they stepped away from it? What's the status uh, uh, of the FBI after this leaked? Yeah, so the FBI got a, a ton of flack once it you know, hit, hit the news cycle and everybody started to sort of freak out. Like what this report doesn't even make any associations between like any show any evidence for Catholic, traditional Catholics and, and white supremacy. And yet they're launching these investigations and in, in the FBI's um, statements that retracting the document, they said, we do not launch investigations based off of first, first amendment protected activity, but that's definitely not true because the investigation already happened. They already launched an investigation based off of essentially thought crimes because the only things that they could really um, draw a similarity between alleged white supremacists and traditional Catholics is that they both don't like the, the LGBTQ agenda and they both don't like abortion. And that was about it. There really wasn't anything else. So it was an investigation launched based off of thought crimes. The FBI is trying to assure everyone that that's not what's happening. And it is what's happening. The document is proof that they are violating the First Amendment. Uh, again, our guest is uh, Avita Duffy Alfonso, staff writer over at The Federalist. Um, one of the damning things in here, one of the reasons to me it was news as I read your piece, and I appreciate The Federalist so much, um, is you're, you're actually covering the, the broader part of the story. For example, um, the U.S. Catholic Conference of Bishops, um, you know, a big group, lots of big um, uh, dioceses and archdioceses in there, uh, they've done very little in terms of reacting to this. Now, this, your story I'm, I'm talking to you is a few days old. Um, at, at this point that you're writing, th- there's almost no reaction from the bishops. Uh, is there any more since, or are they just uh, head in the sand? No, and it's, it's, I mean, from, from an outside perspective, it's probably very shocking if you're not a Catholic and you see the, U- the U.S. Catholic Conference of Bishops has nothing to say in this First Amendment, First Amendment violating targeting of traditional Catholics. But then if you go inside a little bit and look at the, the politics that it, that's into play here, um, it actually makes a lot of sense. One of the media organizations that was named in this report was Church Militant, which is a very, um, very conservative, very devout, um, but a- also very uh, like a, a strong media organization. They they go after the UC, USCCB, often the Catholic Conference of Bishops for the wokeism that they have, all the statements that they make. Um, all of all of the sexual abuse that they've tried to cover up. And so the Catholic Conference of Bishops is like church militant. And so the report that sort of tries to demonize church militant would actually be something that's good for the Catholic Conference of Bishops. But the problem is, if you have these little inner wars, it doesn't really matter because in the end, if the FBI is targeting 
church militant now or, or, or traditional Catholics, they're going to go after all Catholics eventually. And so it's really, I think, very foolish of them not to come to the defense of the faithful. And also, uh, I think it shows how poorly they're doing their job. I mean, they're, they're, they're the shepherds. They're supposed to be watching over the flock and the flock is being attacked and they're doing nothing. It says that, I think it shows that they're really undeserving of, of the positions that they hold well, and we're we're, um, we're again. Uh, uh, we're talking with Avita uh, Duffy Alfonso. Um, the the, the um, a couple of bishops said something, right? Uh, has the bishop of Richmond that in some ways in the Catholic world, the bishop of where something breaks at least sort of has the first in line to be uh, exorcised? Is did that did this um did this come up with that bishop? Has that bishop weighed in? Yeah, so he he's actually, as, as to my knowledge, he's the only bishop that's actually said anything. The one, the archbishop or the bishop from Richmond, Virginia, and he mm-hmm. he's called on Catholics to to call their representatives and their, their their senators and and also on on the attorney general to to step in and do something about this. But right. um, but he's the only one, and I I think this is a, a a massive story, far bigger than some of the other um silly things that the 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 conference of bishops has stepped into, such as immigration or or Trump's travel ban. They've you know, had something to say about that, but this is something directly impacting Catholics and they have nothing to say. And the only person who has is the person from Virginia, which is good for him, but we need more. Is the, um, is there a response coming up off of Capitol Hill? I mean, the Republicans have the house. And so there's a lot of uh, oversight. Is there, this certainly uh, fits, it seems to me, uh, uh, the weaponization argument that uh, Jim Jordan, uh, the judiciary committee has, has, uh, has taken up. Has there been a response up there from uh, anybody on Capitol Hill? Well, you know, there have been a, 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 outpour of, of Republican attorney generals across the country who have said, you know, we, we need to have an investigation into this. We need to figure out what's going on. But as far as Capitol Hill, I, I haven't heard anything. Um, I could I could be wrong on that. Yeah. Um, I've been more interested in the church's response, but but uh-huh. I haven't heard anything from the reps. Well, I mean, this is to me, this is like, and the, the way you lay it out again, uh, we're talking with, um, uh, Avita Duffy, uh, Alfonso, um, the, the, it's classic, right? It's the, the left wing media pays to create a, a set of stories. The FBI responds to the left wing media and uses the power of government, you know, and then they go out and they, and they're in the midst of this and then they leak it. And, you know, um, I hate to say it, uh, Evita, the, the effect, your reporting is good, but the effect is if you're a faithful Catholic or a, one of these traditional Catholics that's described, you, you may be thinking, Oh, this is terrible. I'll be persecuted for my faith. Or you may be thinking, geez, I want to keep my head down. I, I, I don't want to hassle. I saw my neighbor over there. He got, he got called before a grand jury and had to spend $25,000 paying for lawyers. I mean, there's a part of this that the effect is, you know, the lawfare is, is in the effect on people, not just on some, uh, if there was a, a crime, right. And there, and there's no evidence that anybody found any crimes. Yeah. So, th- I mean, this is everybody's problem. And I think for sure there are going to be Catholics that are going to put their heads down and say, okay, maybe, maybe it's time to not go to Latin mass anymore. But it, th- like I, I said this in the piece that I wrote, this is everybody's problem. And it, it, right now it's traditional Catholics, maybe ones that don't have a lot of people able to stand up for them and, 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 you know, lobbyists or, or even the Catholic bishops on their side. Um, but this is going to be an issue for, for all Christian conservatives. And so it's time to, jump on this everybody all denominations and denounce this and do what we can to to launch an investigation into into this this horrible report and make sure that our first amendment rights are protected because it's starting with with a with a small sort of i, I don't i don't like to say that they're fringe but they are a little bit fringe in the church um and and 
and protect them because it's going to come to everybody else eventually. Well, it's um, I'm I'm glad you dug into any follow up to this. Do you think there's do you have any uh, uh, likelihood of writing follow up story on this, or do you think we're going to see where it goes for a while? Yeah, well, I think I think if if the attorney generals have their way and there's and there's um, an investigation launched into this into an investigation launched into the investigation, I think that they, that we might learn something, and I I hope that 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 happens, and that's why pieces like this are important, and that everybody talks about it. Um, and and yeah, I'll be definitely following the story. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, great to have you on the program, and we will make sure to put this out. It's Avita Duffy Alfonso, staff writer over at The Federalist, thefederalist.com. Thanks for your time, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll come back. I'll put up the article that uh, Avita wrote that we were referring, and then a link to uh, the actual documents, which are out there, uh, too. So that'll be helpful. And uh, we'll come back to this. What a story. What a crazy story. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, We're checking in with Hugh Brown, my friend over at the American Life League. He is the executive vice president, uh, the American Life League, founded by uh, Judy Brown and the late Paul Brown, uh, uh, an amazing organization uh, for decades and decades. But we're coming up on President's Day. And, Hugh, we've done uh, a... I did an interview about a Lincoln book. We've talked a lot about President's Day. It's uh, early next week. Um, How do you guys think about presidencies and particular Reagan was so influential and your mother had such a, 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 you know, front row seat to Reagan's, I don't know if it's conversion, but his articulation of how he was uh, genuinely pro-life. How do you guys think of uh, President's Day coming from American Life League? So, yeah, my father, when he was alive um, and he died just about a year ago, one of the things we talked about a lot uh, as a family, just kind of joking around, was President Reagan because he was beloved by my mother, beloved by my father. Um, uh, the president was very fond of Judy, and they were invited to the White House on numerous occasions. And the reason that we bring that up, just sort of a funny anecdote is, or a story, is that at one of these events uh, in the 1980s, something was going on with Operation Rescue, and uh, clinics had been targeted by by people that were trying to, to cause damage to the clinics. And um, th- whatever the president was speaking about, my parents were there. And my father had leaned over to one of the president's you know, top advisors and was just kind of joking. But my father, being my father, said, the president needs to pardon the bombers. <laughs> and um, yeah, lo and behold, the Browns were never invited back to the White House. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And my mother never forgave him because he was trying to be funny, but that wasn't exactly uh, funny. But <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's the contrast of my mother and father and uh, the, a great team. And, you know, Judy was very fond of the president because the president, um, I believe, in the 1960s had signed some things that were not pro-life uh, when he was governor yep. and uh, uh, lived and grew to regret those things and spoke very candidly about it. You know, and he was the great communicator. I remember him because I was in high school and middle school when he was president. And, you know, he very much uh, embraced life and uh, wrote a declaration. He was the only president to do so. And, you know, in our conversations today in the organization, you know, I, I don't know what uh, I know he was a Christian. I don't know what denomination the president was. But, you know, we have Joe Biden in, 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 as president who's a, who calls himself a Catholic, and the Catholic Church is sort of has been the, you know, the leading defender of life from day one. Right. You know, that abortion is a grave moral evil, and one of the, the battles we fight is that the, um, 
canon law, you know, of the Catholic Church says very clearly that if you participate or support grave evil, you know, you are, are to be denied the Eucharist, which is essentially is an excommunication, not to point fingers and be judgmental, but to help you figure out, hey, what I'm doing is wrong. And the Catholic Church doesn't do that, right? right. And this right. president, not only does he support abortion, but my God, he, you know, he supports the most vile of things. I mean, he speaks openly about making abortion part of the Constitution, about killing children from the moment of creation until even after they're born. And it's just, the, the contrast of the two couldn't be more stark. Yeah, and I think well, we're blessed to have had Reagan, and we're the, this guy. He needs our prayers, but we got to oppose him at every well, at every turn. No question. Well, and and we refer to Reagan. I mean, the the, the Reagan. You're right. In the in the, in the late sixties and sixty eight, he Reagan signed a terrible abortion law, and as you say, he regretted it. At fifteen years later, he writes, "Abortion in the conscience of a nation." As you pointed out, it's the only time a president's actually sort of written it. Was it turned into a, a short book? But um, he clearly was very moved by life. Um, the contrast, too, in the piece that you sent me, Hugh, again, we're talking with Hugh Brown, executive vice president over at the American Life League, um, is there used to be uh, there was a, a Catholic president named John F. Kennedy who was pro-life. There was a time where you could be pro-life. Now, he didn't do everything perfectly. Um, we don't have I'm not sitting in judgment. But on that life issue, there were Democrats that were pro-life. And in the the, the, the decades since um, even Reagan there, you know, there were Democrats who were pro-Governor Casey, the late Governor Casey of Pennsylvania, Democrat, very pro-life. And for that, he was ostracized by his party. And and uh, Nancy Pelosi ran uh, uh, primary opponents uh, in races until a year and a half ago when the last Democrat House member who was pro-life was knocked out of office. Um, Hugh, in, in, when you think of those presidents, though, and then, then we go out to Trump, Trump, who had a track record of being pro-choice. Uh, I mean, having talked about it as a young, a younger man, gets in office does a lot of the things that they they that people wanted, right? Many, many, and it has to be described as wonderfully pro-life. And yet, over in the Capitol, Paul Ryan, a self-professed Catholic, didn't deliver on, say, defunding Planned Parenthood. It's really a mixed bag, isn't it? Oh, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. So, Ed, we've said here, and, and I've come to this realization, so there really is not a political solution to abortion because of the people you, you just mentioned, even Nancy Pelosi, Right. She calls herself a practicing Catholic. And, and and I found it funny years ago. We we published a picture of her where she was, you know, self-righteously showing herself on Holy Thursday, washing some washing the feet of people. But they didn't indicate what, what church it was. It certainly was not a Catholic church. Um, and, you know, we, we have people like this that just absolutely um, oppose life when their 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 public stance in terms of who they identify as, meaning I'm a Catholic, I'm a Christian. I'm a good person. Nothing could be further from good than abortion. Abortion is the slaughter of children. And President Trump, I mean, I I talk to people all the time about him because the media has portrayed him as what they, they, they want you to think about him. And if you look at the personal lives of most people in public office, they, they're, they're, let the person without you know sin cast the first stone. Mm-hmm. That The president right. clearly had a conversion of heart, right? And yeah, he's a prideful guy. And on top of all of that, the way the system worked relentlessly still to this day to tear him down, something's good about that guy, right? right. Got to be something good. I, I And I, I support him for those reasons. If everything on the planet is opposed to you, you must be doing something right. So, right. <laughs> you know, I, I think that, you know, he, he he was very adamant. I mean, he was very adamant that um, life begins at creation and that children should be protected. And I even discussed recently his comments that even my mother said were a shame when President Trump said, that the Republicans' position on abortion cost them 
um, not sweeping many of the things in November. And I think what the president said was true, though. Right. right. It did hurt us. And the reason that it hurt us is that we are just we're soft and we're horrible and we're weak. What we should have said, and I believe what he meant, is to take the position that he took, that all life is sacred. And you can't have 10 week bands and 12 week bands. There's no magical moment in any of those periods, 15 weeks, 12, 12 weeks and two days and six hours and three minutes when a human being is a human being. So we need right. to defend life from the moment of creation and hold the line. And people will respect that because it's it's written on all of our hearts, whether we accept it or reject it. It's our choice. The beauty of free will. Right. We're again we're talking with Hugh Brown uh, about uh, the uh, about the presidents and in particular the last couple of presidents. I I do think uh, one of the really devious parts. So you and I have talked about this offline about say Joe Biden um, is is the confusion, right? In the Catholic Church, it's referred to as, as a scandal. When you appear to, as a public way, to assert that I am a Catholic, and yet on major issues, you're confusing the public. And, and you know, this is where I, I as I as I say to people, you, you have to judge people by their fruits. I mean, I agree. Amen. When When Donald Trump was running for office, it was a leap of faith for someone like the late Phyllis Schlafly to say he'll be a good president, he'll be pro-life. That was one of her number one issues on everything. After he's been in office and he actually, you know, delivered on judges and delivered on a bunch of things. Again, not perfect. There were times where I think that the bureaucracy, you know, slowed down stuff. On the other hand, there's a guy that calls himself Catholic. Joe Biden calls himself Catholic all the time, makes a big deal out of it. And lots of Catholics are out there going, Oh, I see. I can have this, this position and consider myself. And as you said, point out, it's not so much that it makes you a, it makes you a, a bad, uh, 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 American. It makes you uh, uh, makes you separated from God, which is the definition of hell. That's exactly right. No, that's exactly right. And so we fought that fight from day one. I mean, I think that's what has made the American Life League the American Life League. You know, Judy doesn't pull any punches, and you know we're we're very much following in those footsteps. Even the piece that she wrote that we were talking about initially on President Kennedy, she she quoted some things and talked about how he was pro life and felt that he actually said that he he thought abortion would never be embraced by Americans, that we would never, never stand for it. And then, you know, uh, two paragraphs later, she said, calls him a scoundrel. So, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know, right. that's my mother in a nutshell. You yeah. better toe the line. But yeah. he's a good example. You know, in yeah. his death, I think the devil, the devil has a plan, right? The devil doesn't stop. That man was assassinated and uh, the party's never been the same. And even the people that you mentioned, I, I, you have to, you in life, you have to make decisions. Is that political ideology more important than your soul? While yeah. Republicans may not be perfect, you know, we're not worship, worshiping at the altar of evil. And it's yeah. well, if I, that party I, I survives, I'll be surprised over the next 30 years because oh, it, what, a, what, it, what it's going to become, yeah. people are going to have to make a choice because it's basically going to be uh, sat- satanic, which is what it is right now, in my opinion. Well, and and uh, when you think about presence, I mean, it's a it's a different. Uh, there's a different world to to view things in now. There's a sort of more clarity. I think they used to hide behind uh, the parties, and they, the party could be a big tent. Well, it's pretty clear one party's pro life, imperfect, and the other one is uh, is pro death on this issue of abortion. So, all right, Amen. Hugh, I got to run. Hugh uh, Brown, thank, thank you, you American Life League, all dot org, all dot org. You can uh, go there. There's a lot of there there, and it's a great uh, URL to get uh, to get there. All We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Three out of four Midwestern states rejected legalizing marijuana last November. 
and pot producers' hopes for federal legislation to end the banking ban on the pot industry went up in smoke when it was not included in the December omnibus bill. Federal legislation in favor of cannabis seems less likely in the new Congress, where Republicans hold a slim majority in the House. Legalizing pot has been disastrous to the desert southwest, where it has accelerated a dire water shortage that will soon result in deep cuts in what can be taken from the Colorado River. A drought emergency was declared for Southern California as the Biden administration failed to broker a new deal for how the Colorado River's unprecedented low water level will be shared across the region. Now the feds threaten to impose rationing on water use by the southwestern United States. So-called progressives' pro-pot agenda is making it hard to live in those liberal states. Meanwhile, hundreds of thousands of Americans voted with their feet by fleeing Democrat-controlled areas to states with Republican governance in 2022. Americans moved out of all four of the biggest liberal states, California, New York, Illinois, and Pennsylvania. Their population declines were the greatest in the country, while conservative states such as Texas and Florida boomed by attracting Americans to move there. So many people left California, New York, and Illinois since Joe Biden took office that each state would have lost yet another seat in the U.S. House of Representatives and another Electoral College vote in addition to the seat that each state lost in the 2020 census. Democrat-controlled Minnesota would also lose a seat, while the states picking up those four seats would be Arizona, Florida, Idaho, and Texas. Everywhere leftism takes over, another slice of America becomes unlivable. From safely walking the streets to the availability of water, leftism simply isn't a workable governance philosophy. As Floridians and Texans welcome new Californian expats, I hope they will educate their new neighbors on the conservative principles that make their state governments so much better. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Just a couple minutes to finish up. Hey, one thing. Next week, I'm going to go up on Capitol Hill, and I will be talking to some of the senior staff at the Judiciary Committee on a couple of the Judiciary Committee members' staff, uh, members uh, on their senior staff to catch up on what's going on. There's a lot more happening than you have heard uh, publicly. There have been a couple of hearings, uh, but there's quite a bit more going on. So we'll get an update on that. The other thing is uh, I do want to say congratulations to Congressman Matt Gates. Uh, Matt Gates said immediately a couple of years ago when they said they were going to come after him for some kind of, uh, uh, you know, bad relationships or other things. He said it's total lies. I'll be cleared eventually. And he was. And now the articles are all about how uh, the coverage is all about how Matt Gates said he was innocent. Turns out he's innocent. Matt Gates said he wanted more a more responsive House of Representatives. He won that out of Kevin McCarthy. He's on Judiciary Committee. He's on the Special Subcommittee on uh, Weaponization of Government. I, I'm not sure there's a more effective um, member of the U.S. House of Representatives 
who's not in leadership, right? If you're a chairman of a committee, you may have a bigger impact. Um, you know, guys like uh, Congressman Jason Smith of uh, Missouri, who chairs Ways and Means, or, uh, you know, the the uh, the whip is now Tom Emmers. Uh, you know, there's in leadership, those guys and, and gals can have an impact on what's happening. Uh, but in terms of uh, public faces of the Republican Party, just an extraordinary uh, shift by Matt Gates. So congratulations to him. I hope that he keeps digging in uh, onto uh, the uh, what's happened in the DOJ and other places. Uh, I was talking with one of his staff. He's he's concerned about, you know, he's kind of a uh, uh, America first on these interventions throughout the world. And he's been talking about more transparency on the money that's been going out to Ukraine and other places. I hope he stays up on that uh, focus. That'll be great. So congratulations to him. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. President's Day weekend. Celebrate. Get John Cribb. Uh, get his books, Old Abe and the Rail Splitter. Uh, best uh, of thanks to our great Noah Dingley, as well as Ryan Hyde, our producer and our associate producer. Be back uh, next week. It's Ed Mart here on the Pro-America Report. Have a great weekend, everybody. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.